The Longbox Crusade presents Fan Bill Fridays. to the Longbach Crusade headquarters, the Crusade Quarters, as Jared calls it. And, uh, I mean, it's actually a pretty nice invitation. All the letters out of the magazine, newspapers, very neatly cut, but pasted down very well. I mean, it smells a little bit like coffee, but whatever. Uh, but doesn't seem to be anybody anybody here. I mean, guys, guys, you, you wanted me to come talk Sherlock Holmes. Nice assume that was for the Saturday matinee show you know, on the on the on on the feed there important show the big show but um, don't see it there's a is there a light under that door huh let me head downstairs maybe they moved the studio downstairs ah who's that who's is that who's that is that Clinton you kind of look like Alan Moore Sure. Just saying, maybe maybe a haircut. But I'm just saying. Yeah, um, I don't think Pat trusts me with scissors anymore. Mm, something about right. Yeah, something about snipping off his. Yeah, never. Hey, mind. now, whoa, 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 stop! But uh, so, whoa, whoa, whoa. Do you think they they didn't invite me to the? That was those that was you. I'm not sure what you're talking about. I can't get any mail out, apparently. Or in. <coughs> I'm sure well, there's um, a stack of magazines upstairs that I've just been dying to read. <laughs> you didn't bring those down, did you, Professor? Well, I got I got a few letters out of each one. <laughs> well, that's really going to help reconstruct the whole thing. I got this, got this uh, invitation here. But, um, so, I mean, while I'm here, you got any anything for us to watch? Oh, um... Well, I mean, there's this documentary called History of Finance that some guy named Alan Middleton participated in, but... I, that guy's I good. That guy's good, but... Yeah, to... I don't know. I, I hear from this somebody who just goes by the initials EM that... Hey. Hey. <laughs> uh, don't trust them, huh? Okay. Gotcha. No, yeah, I would do a fan film if I had fans. <laughs> Wait, is that how it works? I, I don't know. You're the expert that, here. Now, you, yeah. you let me know. However you want to set it up. <laughs> All right, folks. This is Fam Film Fridays with my guest, Professor Alan Middleton. Hello, hello. And I, of course, am the constantly trapped in the basement, apparently, Clinton mm-hmm. Robinson. Today, 
our lovely fan film is The Suspense is Killing Everyone. Actually, they've all read the show notes. It's What? Yeah, they got the notes ahead of time. They're classy. Our fan film today is Sherlock Holmes, Dying Detective. Professor, are you uh, familiar with Sherlock Holmes at all? Yes. It's been a, a favorite of mine for a long time. I even talked about the 1950s TV show once on the Long Box Crusade feed. People should check that out. There's a show about that? I thought those guys just went to England for scones. <laughs> Pat calls those things scones, but look, uh, that's, that's not all he's importing and exporting. Just, I don't want to, again, I don't want to say anything, but. What about the jelly babe? Hey, now. Now you're getting personal. <laughs> okay. Well, Professor, for those who don't listen to that show, for whatever reason, since on this same feed, can you tell us a little bit about Sherlock Holmes as a franchise? Well, Sherlock Holmes has been around well over 100 years now, thanks to the uh, the great Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. And, of course, uh, I've read all 56 of those short stories and the four novels. And, of course, he has been TV-showed and movied and comic booked and expanded universe uh, quite a bit in the last few decades as he is in that wonderful place called public domain. So basically what you're telling me is any one of us could come up with a Sherlock Holmes idea and put it out there and nobody could do anything about it. <laughs> Robert Downey Jr. did. So <laughs> anyone can, yes. So what you're telling me is your standards are in a particular level of Sherlock Holmesian things. <laughs> Just out of curiosity, where does Daffy Duck's portrayal rank in your system? Ooh, that one's not bad. That one's not bad. Somewhere between Jeremy Brett and Basil Rathbone, I guess. Probably somewhere in there. <laughs> somewhere in there. <laughs> so that's the then. Then you get the question: Does the Great Mouse Detective does that count? As a Sherlock Holmes expanded universe, is it an homage? Is it a disgrace? I personally love it. So, <laughs> but that uh, that movie can split Sherlock Holmes fandoms sometimes. Just saying. Alrighty. Well, the one we're looking at, Sherlock Holmes Dying Detective, is a 2014 fan film by Tatey Brothers Productions. The film runs about 26 minutes long and currently has. A little over 64,000 views on YouTube. It was directed by Samuel and Andrew Tatey. Samuel plays Sherlock, while Andrew plays Watson. Culverton Smith is played by Luke McGee, and Mrs. Hudson is played by Sarah Jacobs, with Alexander Pedroza as Lestrade. And I do believe they say Lestrade instead of Lestrade. That's all. I'll allow it. That's always an interesting <laughs> back and forth. Samuel and Andrew split most of the technical behind-the-scenes jobs, and I do mean most, because that list of credits is <laughs> full of their names. Were there some other Tatys in there, too? or that my, my, my eyes may have been um, blurring, and it may have just been the two of them. I could have swore there was a, a third one that popped up every now yeah, and then, there, too. There is a third, and I think possibly a fourth. Okay. Let's make sure I wasn't uh, hallucinating at that point. <laughs> So apparently the Tatey brothers have a decent appreciation for Sherlock Holmes, as they have adapted the stories A Scandal in Bohemia, The Speckled Band, and The Final Problem, as well as this one. Oh, I did not know that. Good. So before we dive in, 
I neglected to ask you initially, Professor, what is your experience with fan films, if at all? Uh, I It's probably true that I have listened to more episodes of Fan Film Fridays than I have actually watched, you know, fan films. So at this point, two. At, at least one. <laughs> I, can, I can promise it's at least one, that maybe two, two and a half, yes. <laughs> well, okay. Before we dive in, we do ask that everyone take a few moments to watch the fan film on YouTube. It will take you around 26 minutes, so do set aside a little bit of your day for it. But we do ask that you watch it before you come back for all the discussion, because A, we will definitely spoil everything about this, and B, it's just more fun when everybody's on the same page and can participate in the conversation. Don't worry. I'm not going anywhere, and Professor Allen sure isn't going anywhere until he solves the mystery of that little letter. I observed your account of the Culverton Smith case in the paper this morning. Ah, yes, the one the newspapers are so affectionately calling the dying detective. What did you think? There were one or two points of interest. Have you ever considered making a record of some of our earlier cases? Earlier cases? I think with some polishing up, they could highlight the practical application of science of deduction. And where would I start? The Stoner case comes to mind. The one involving the speckled bat. Something to look forward to. A series of lectures. Wonderful, Holmes. Just wonderful. Okay, everybody back? Good. Everybody solved the mystery along with Sherlock? I hope so, because we're about to spoil it <laughs> all across the board here. So, after leaving Baker Street to live a quiet married life with his wife, Mary, Dr. Watson returns to London for the holidays to find his friend and former flatmate, Sherlock Holmes, has been struck down by a deadly Asian disease while investigating a case. To save Holmes, Watson must seek the help of one-time celebrated biologist Culverton Smith. The revelation soon comes about that Holmes' illness is no mere misfortune, but part of a murderous plot the detective and his allies must uncover. Turns out, Holmes has feigned his illness in an effort to catch his would-be assassin in the act. Holmes recently received a small box in the mail that contained a small trap that would have infected him. Holmes explains his illness was feigned as a ruse to induce Smith to confess to Smith's cousin's murder. Holmes was not infected by the little box. He has enough enemies to know that he must always examine his mail (coughs) carefully before he opens it. Starving himself for three days, and the claim of the disease's infectious nature was enough to keep Watson from examining him and discovering the ruse, since, as he clarifies, he has every respect for his friend's medical skills. So that is The Dying Detective, pretty much in a nutshell. So let me clarify, we have a disease with uh, origins in Asia that requires people to stay like six feet apart from each other. That is, that's just, I just think the premise is so unbelievable. Wait, never mind. (laughs) So Professor Allen, what are your thoughts on this? I thought this was quite good. You know, uh, the I, I, I credit the Tatis with a lot of good decisions. And uh, they say that 
really the first job of, of a producer is to get the right script. And, you know, basing a film off an existing story is a great step in that direction, you know, if you're early in your career. Because, I mean, almost all, I mean, the entirety of the story, you know, the guts of the story, and probably I don't know, half the dialogue come directly from the original uh, Doyle story. Uh, m- much of that word for word, uh, some of it has been modified. I imagine to make it easier, sort of spoken dialogue for the actors. I, I probably that that's why you would, you know, change a word here, or there, ch- change a, a phrasing around, uh, you know. But I, you know, I think you know, as fans or semi pros or budding filmmakers or wherever these guys are, you know, um, are at as as filmmakers, you know, there's a lot of work to do in adapting a short story. It's still, but it, it's still good training. But having the bones of the plot, the characterization, the structure, all there, I think, just really helps get you off off uh, off on a good footing. And I think from there, they delivered a pretty solid film. So you're saying it's pretty much true to the original story? It is. It is. As a matter of fact, the uh, the really excellent. Uh, Granada TV series, the Jeremy Brett and Edward Hardwick um, series on on that we hear in the U.S. on on PBS in the 90s, I guess. Really, one of the best all-time, you know, Sherlock Holmes uh, adaptations. They did, you know, obviously a, a version of this as well. But they had to. The, the, it's only a 10-page story. They had to add so much backstory to fill it up to you know 50 some minutes. It actually waters it down a little bit. Um, you know, the story begins dramatically, as this film does, with Holmes on his deathbed. You know, in the in the the Jeremy Brett version, you get a whole bunch of backstory about the this this doctor, this who was a scientist who was you know an expert in these in these uh, diseases, but who was an enemy of Holmes. Develop a whole backstory, and you don't get to the dramatic stuff. Till about 20 minutes in. So I like that these guys said, you know, this story, it's only going to take about 25 minutes to tell this story. What's work is going to take 25 minutes and tell this story. And they told the story. And it starts so dramatically. And uh, excellent. So I, th- I, I thought it was quite a good, uh, a good adaptation in addition to being a good um, – you know, uh, being a good film on itself, and again, it's it's a great it's a great choice. I have to think about the other ones that that these guys have done, but this one in particular is a good choice because at least in the short story, all of the action takes place in Holmes' room. Uh, I can't remember if I think they threw in a couple other locations in this sort of is, um, uh, but not much. Most of it still still occurs in in Holmes' room, and again, if you can if you can eliminate narrow down some of the areas where problems can occur in making a film and things like script and and uh, and locations it it just i i think it gives you a much you know broader a much stronger opportunity to tell you know to to focus on the things that you can focus on to focus on camera work and those productions the sound which were all i thought i thought quite good and I, I, and I think you know, having a good story and a good script as a foundation again was a a really good a really good starting point. And that would be maybe be a recommendation to other budding filmmakers. 
So basically, you liked it. I liked it. <laughs> the, the, the biggest problem I had, biggest problem I had, was that uh, I mean these guys are brothers. Holmes and Watson look too much alike. Mm-hmm. That was part of the problem. It did look. So wait a minute, they are okay. You know, there's only so much you can do. Uh, uh, you can do with that, but uh, you know, but but uh, but I thought you know sort of the basics of filmmaking, the cinematography, the lighting. I think all those were uh, were. I thought the acting wasn't wasn't bad either. But again, it, it helps to have a really strong script, really strong story to as your as your foundation. Yeah, I mean you're definitely right. Everything for, it, it felt like they really put thought into it when they assembled everything. They did it from the ground up with a solid script. The locations look great because we basically have uh, Watson on the train, uh, Holmes's room, a few outside locations. And I think maybe two other spots, mm-hmm. you know, something mm-hmm. like that. It, it's real minimal. The acting is very good. Um, the the costuming is really well done. Right. My mm-hmm. my only complaint on that was uh, initially, like the opening scene where you see Holmes uh, with the the cousin that is dying. Mm-hmm. Holmes's suit doesn't quite jive with everything else in the as far as the costumes to me mm, yeah but th- okay. but that's a nitpick that's a budgetary thing if anything else and mm-hmm. since this is a fan yeah. film you know we're i don't know what their budget was i think they uh, might have done some crowdsourcing crowdfunding okay two different words mm. sorry crowdfunding not crowdsourcing <laughs> but i mean you know we're not talking millions here folks we're probably talking just a few thousand yep i would imagine if it's more than what your high school had for their uh, drama department, <laughs> it's probably a fortune in the fan film market. I mean, it's it's it's. I think it's a potential advantage, you know, to begin with a known property, a known character, uh, especially one like Holmes that's been adapted so many times. We have so many versions of it that there are so many different ways to to play him and Watson. Um, so I think that helps. Uh, again, you do have to get some of that Victorian era clothing uh, correct, mm-hmm. and and you know the being able to say that dialogue from up 120 years ago can be a little tricky. They did again. I think that may have been part of the thinking in, in, in rearranging some of the language a little bit, just to make it flow off modern tongues a, a, a little bit easier. Uh, did you happen to pay any close attention to the? The props that were in Holmes's room. Uh, nothing jumps out at me. Yeah, I'm not really like wanting to highlight anything specific. It just seemed like a, they had an odd collection of just random things, but nothing really seemed out of place. Okay, right. Yeah, I, it's yeah, it's certainly nothing. Nothing jumped out at me as being a problem. Right. There's, but it's just it, it added way more flavor to the actual scene. Because there's like a, a random skull or a, a, you know a few pieces of foreign art that kind of thing right. things that would just That's good pop thinking, up yeah. in a home story. I, I I can't remember it specifically, but I, I I do remember noticing that there was one sort of funny line, and I think Watson Watson made a funny crack. And that's not in the original. In the original, the, the original ten page ten page story is is pretty serious, pretty dour. And I, I do again. I can't remember exactly what it was or what, what the context was, but and uh, uh, Watson did have one one crack in there, and that 
that not not a bad addition to dissipate a little bit of the tension. Yeah, so you can tell it kind of draws a little bit of influence from um, the BBC Sherlock. Yeah, true. That's true too. Yeah. So, do you have any other specific highs, lows, whats? Um, I don't think so. Again, I think it was. I, th- I think it was. Uh, I, I was impressed. You know, not not knowing what to expect. Other than being a faithful listener of your show, uh, not not knowing what to expect, being a fan of Holmes, and so being a little defensive, you know, I was a little on my guard. But uh, they won me over pretty quickly with the uh, the faithfulness of the adaptation. Sort of let me know that uh, you know I was in I was in uh, competent hands. You know, I, I, I felt that that sort of relief. You know, about ten minutes in, mm-hmm. so okay, this is this could work. But I, I am, I am interested in looking at uh, looking at the brothers' other other Holmes adaptations. Okay, so it passes the Holmes fan test. Do you think it would uh, work out fairly well for anybody relatively new to Holmes? You know, Holmes is such a uh, known quantity that just by cultural osmosis. I think people know Holmes and Watson, so I think you know even even bringing that just that that little bit of level of understanding, sort of the general relationship between these two between these two fellows, uh, just just with that most surface level, I think uh, I, I I think the film could be viewed and enjoyed by uh, by by plenty of people. Yes. Okay. Well, my only what the is that the Tatey Brothers Twitter feed has been quiet since 2016. So, Uh-oh. unfortunately, they may no longer be making film. They may have actually uh, broken up this production company and gone into business individually or got hired on with... Hopefully, they got hired on with, with other studios. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, these, these yeah. guys do good work. Yeah, I thought so, too. Hey, it's me just breaking in real fast. Just to let you know that the Tatey Brothers uh, YouTube account has been quite active. They do still have several videos up. They've continued on with Sherlock and delved into other things. So no worries, folks. They didn't go anywhere. They're still around. I mean, overall, in the long run, this this one reminded me of the Bond film I watched with Jason. You know, it, it's not perfect, but it you know even where like some some of the acting or some of the costuming might fail you. The dedication and overall production involved really helps sell it. So yeah, I think that that that's a good comment. Mm-hmm. All right, so that pretty much wraps it up for Sherlock Holmes: The Dying Detective. Professor Allen, I do thank you for joining me down here with however you managed to get here with that mysterious note that no one has ever seen or heard of. I think I can get out of here. I, 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 I think I have developed enough detective skills to determine uh, how exactly to get out of here. The game is afoot, Clinton. The game is afoot. Well, before you go, Professor, can you tell people where they can find you? Well, uh, most of uh, most of the work that I do is comic book related and can be found over at the Relatively Geeky Podcast Network, and that feed includes the Quarter Bin Podcast. And uh, I, I appreciate you, Clinton. Um you know, only charging me twenty cents uh, to be on this podcast, so that I really appreciate that. Because usually I have to pay a quarter for uh, for my content. So, 
good on you there. Uh, that's the, the comic reading show, uh, comic reading journal and short box showcase. And then a few years back, uh, uh me and M, my 20 something, we started a side project called Dorkness to Light, uh, a blog, a podcast and a Tumblr all dedicated to the intersection of pop culture and faith, uh, religion, spirituality, that sort of stuff. So check us out at either or both of those places. Cool, cool. Now, you said something about the game is afoot and you can get out. Uh, you need a sidekick? Do I need a Watson? That's a very good question. Unfortunately, I kind of already have a sidekick for my podcasting adventure. So, um, hey, uh, if you look over in that corner over there, I think, look at, go over there, go over there. Wait, wait, what, what, what? Bye, Clinton. <laughs> I think I was podcasting with Professor Moriarty. Okay, so I guess that means a promo break and listener feedback for us. Stay tuned. When you think of podcasts about religion, you probably think of this. But at least one religion podcast sounds more like this. I kick ass for the Lord. Dorkness to Light is a relatively geeky production in which Alan and Emily discuss topics of faith, religion, and spirituality. But we do so through the lens of pop culture, like movies, TV, and comic books, because we're nerds. Our primary focus will be on Christianity, because that's what we know best. But all religious content is on the table. Well, think about it, Scully, from vampirism to Catholicism. This is an occasional cast, to be recorded and released as the mood strikes, with topics ranging from in-depth reviews to personal rants about some small aspect of theology or church history, because we're theological nerds. If these topics interest you, check out dorknesstolight.blogspot.com for our more regular content. Or dorknesstolight.tumblr.com for our more irregular content. Memes and puns, mostly. My bad. Dorkness to light. Often irreverent, rarely sacrilegious. All right, thanks for sticking with me, folks. This is the feedback portion of the show, and I'd like to give a quick thanks to sponsors of the Longbox Crusade Network, Omaha Bound. That's right, folks, Omaha Bound, the place that fulfills all your binding needs, whether it's classic comics, magazines, uh, probably even some of those literary digests. I bet they can just bind all those up for you real nice and neat and make them real pretty and special. And guess what? That means, that's right, you'll be like Jared Albrecht, the yard sale artist, and oh so fancy. But, getting back to the actual feedback portion, last episode, as a reminder, was... Operation Fireball with my guest Jason the Weasel Skull Albrecht, and we got likes, shares, retweets, all those fun things from DJ Christados, Green Lantern HG, Delvin Williams, Chris at BTO and Bat Books, The Hammer Strikes, Chris Lydon, Radioactive Dinosaur, Weasel Skull himself, Jonathan Schaefer Hames, Sean Ross, Unpacking the Power of Power Pack, Jerry Green, Gene Hendricks, Al Sadano, Hal Jordan, Bill Beer, Aaron Headmoss, Courtney Holland, Kim Ellis, Professor Frenzy, 
and oh-so-fancy Jared Albrick. So if I missed anybody, please do let me know. I know sometimes these names can get lost in the shuffle somewhere. So over on Twitter, we got some feedback from Jonathan Schaefer-Hames himself saying, I hope you escape this time. I think that was a little insincere there, John, but you know, I'm going to keep trying. Rick from Unpacking the Power of Power Pack says, Another fun podcast from the basement dweller. Well, as you all may know by now, I think Rick has moved upstairs in the attic, although somebody has told me that it's only part-time? People actually... No, 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 people don't leave here, surely. Green Lantern HG says, It's a great episode and a fantastic guest. Don't say that too loud. Uh, that might go to Jason's head. Not a bad movie for what it was, but I only had one issue with it, and it's the bomb at the end. Did you see the timer? There were only four seconds left, and he ran from the basement to the patio in four seconds. Clinton has had almost a year in the basement, and he can't get out. Well, I'm sorry, HG. If I were trained to be a double O spy... I would have more skills. I don't have that type of education, so sorry. <laughs> but that appears to be it for all of our feedback on this episode. I do appreciate everybody sticking with me. I want to remind everybody you can always leave us feedback on Twitter. Uh, my handle is at Fridays underscore fan, or you can just leave it under the Longbox Crusade uh, handle. Handle? Wow. I really have been in this basement for a long time. You can also reach us on the actual Longbox Crusade website, which is www.longboxcrusade.com. You can email the show at fanfilmfridays at gmail.com or contact at longboxcrusade.com. So, until next time, I guess I'm still stuck in the basement trying to get my way out. And I hope you will join me again on another Fan Film Fridays. Today you can take your telephone, your 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 cell phone, and you can make a movie on that. And if it's a really cool movie that's funny and it's dramatic or whatever, you can post it on YouTube. If you want to make films and you want to tell stories, you can do it. After all, all art is experience. But if you're obsessed with film and you love to tell stories and you love working in that medium, uh, then uh, that will give you the strength to be persistent to make it happen. You ready for this acting performance? <coughs> La. Is it going to be as good as... Uh, what's my motivation? What's my motivation? For me to not recruit him to do this. Okay, I got this. Okay. <laughs> I see what you did there. I see what you did there. Okay, action. <laughs>